What a wonderful time of praise and worship. We thank God for the opportunity to be here. I invite you to turn with me in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. I think most everybody knows about where to begin to get to Ephesians. I like on Sunday morning sometimes Dr. James Merritt in addressing a large crowd and many of them probably not very familiar with church. He always will help them. He says, for example, for Ephesians, you go to the middle of your Bible and turn right. Just keep going till you find it. And, uh, and you will find it. And we have been studying in Ephesians uh, over these past couple of weeks. Chapter four, verses 17 through 32. And in a moment, <clears throat> the best way for me to share this word from God is to look very carefully word by word, phrase by phrase uh, of the scripture and then to illustrate it. So let me lead us again in a word of prayer. Almighty God, what a wonderful time together. We have been blessed because I believe that we have worshiped and all that we have done here today is a gift from our heart to you out of gratitude out of gratitude for our salvation, and yes, that wherever we are, you're there also. We praise your name. And I pray that during these moments that you will speak through me, you'll speak to me, you'll give me that power of the Holy Spirit which ministers to hearts and says, this is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. And may we rejoice and may we follow you. Forgive us of our sins in your precious name, the name Jesus, we pray. Amen. The title of the message is Walk Like a Christian. Went through several different titles, and I won't take time to go through all of those. But I do remind you that by the time this hits the screen, and up until the last week or two when I have been moving in a lot of different directions. There's also been that outline in your bulletin and uh, just could not meet the uh, publication deadline on that. And so for me, the sermon is always in process and the outline that's going to be projected here uh, overnight, I think a little better way to communicate it. So if I say something and you don't see it up there, it is their fault. They'll cut me off in a heartbeat. No, it is not their fault. I'm just following how I feel in my heart. Walk like a Christian, the first point in this passage of scripture, and you'll see on the screen that when you become a Christian, when you become a Christian, we are to walk like a Christian. And when I, when I say you, that's a way that of course incorporates myself into it, but I kind of like to say it like this now, when we become a Christian, we are to walk like a Christian, amen? We're to walk like one. Now notice verses 17 through 24, I read it and we'll just kind of uh, elaborate in a few little points here. The apostle, I remind you, is writing to the church at Ephesus, the church that he has founded. It is primarily a Gentile church which means individuals totally outside of the nation of Israel, the hope that they felt that they had in God 
and everybody else was excluded. Now that is a historical, cultural conclusion. It has no agenda. And so the Apostle Paul has been called to tell the world that God loves everybody. God died for everybody. And as we shared the passage last week from Galatians, in Jesus Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There are no cultural, there are no racial divisions in the eyes of God. There is neither male nor female. There is no gender bias in God. And there is no slave or free. We are not judged on our socioeconomic status. Aren't you glad? God loves us all. And so he is writing to primarily a Gentile church, and this is absolutely new for them to be included in the hope of Israel, to be included in the hope of Israel, and to be made aware by the Apostle Paul that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. And so he says, excuse me, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Meaning, by your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, you're now walking a different walk. And that's what the heart of the message is today, is that walk that God has for us. But you should no longer walk like the rest of the Gentiles do, those who have not come to accept Christ, or the walk that you were in before you accepted Christ. And that walk was in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, meaning that futile mindset, that darkened understanding, separated from God, was because they did not know any different, they did not know any better, and there was blindness of their heart. They were past feeling, having given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now addressing the church, he says, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Therefore, key phrase, you put off concerning your former conduct. When we become a Christian, we are to walk like a Christian. We put off our former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, I simply say this to you because I know that I repeat this little story quite often. It is not the result of my age. I want you to know that. But it is, to me, it is a wonderful expression. It always touches my heart. And I believe it it illustrates well what the Apostle Paul is getting at. And that is, as I came along uh, in the ministry, I had the wonderful opportunity to, I hate to say this because some were like, hmm, I didn't notice that, to get a good education. All right, I don't know if you noticed that or not, but I was blessed. I grew up in a middle-class, blue-collar church, under the leadership 
that had not had the privilege of a whole lot of schooling or a whole lot of education, and it was really not a high priority, but it was for my parents. And so I was blessed to go to college. I was blessed to go to seminary. And I was visiting back in my home church one New Year's Eve for a New Year's Eve service after I had all of that schooling and was out pastoring. And I, I knew it, I took it as a compliment. It was wonderful. And this man came up to me and he said, Bill, you know what I like about you? And I said, what? He said, you've been to school. You got all that education, but you can't tell it. <laughs> That's the best thing ever been said to me. Amen. We don't need to be flaunting how much we know. You've been to school and man, you can't tell it. Well, now you see where this is going. The apostle Paul is telling them, when you became a Christian, people ought to be able to tell it, amen? People ought to be able to tell that you have become a Christian. I say this because I know the heart of the individual that was involved, but it makes a very powerful point for us here. And that is pastoring one of my churches, and I need to put y'all on notice. If I meet somebody that you work with, and I know you work with them, I'm going to bring you up. I'm going to mention you. Yeah, so-and-so works there and is a member of Sweat Memorial Baptist Church. Well, I had that episode, been a long time ago. This individual was about his job. I knew I had a church member that worked with that company and in that profession, and I mentioned him. And the guy that I was talking to said, I didn't know he went to church. Well, the gentleman involved of my member, very sweet, kind, timid person, and I doubt that he really projected himself. But you get the point. The next time I meet somebody that you work with and I bring you up, that person better be able to say, yes, I know him. I know he's a member of Sweat Memorial Baptist Church and that Bill Young is his pastor, amen? <laughs> I'm calling you out today. But it's that old saying that if we were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict us? The apostle is telling them that when we become a Christian, we are to walk like a Christian. Now I think this is important. I, make it, I will make it brief to be reminded on the front end of this of the three stages or the phases of our salvation. There's justification, big theology words. There's sanctification, and then there is glorification. Now, justification is when we get saved, when we accept Christ, when we are made right with God through the blood of Jesus. That's the first stage, and that's when, as the apostle says, we are to put off that old person, and we are to put on the new person, and this experience is what we call being born again. One of the titles of the message that I had was from that television show that was very popular, Extreme Makeover. And that is, when we become a Christian, we begin the process of the, an extreme makeover. I think about the family welcoming a new baby into their home. 
and an older brother was fascinated by it and the family was faithful in the church and their faith and he looked through the slats of the baby bed at this new thing that he'd never seen anything like that before and said, brother, you've been born, but you're going to have to be born again. Amen. We're going to have to be born again. I think about this illustration, two Christians working together, very faithful in Jesus Christ. And one of the points that I will be making today is that we're not perfect, we're forgiven, and our salvation is a growing, maturing process. The day we get saved, we have not arrived at the end product. It is a lifelong pursuit of Jesus Christ. And so these two guys were working, and one of them all of a sudden hurt his hand, and he let out a word that he should not have let out. Immediately the Holy Spirit said to him, that's not right. He apologized to his working friend and said, that was my old human nature coming through. And his friend said, if you've been born again, you ain't got no old human nature. Well, let's just be honest, we still do, amen? And so justification is the beginning. Sanctification is becoming more like Christ. And that old human nature beginning to give way to the spirit nation, uh, nature in Jesus Christ. It's called discipleship. It's called discipleship. And these three words here are so critical. Listen to what the apostle says to them in verse 20. And that is, first, we don't walk like we used to walk. And we don't, he says, and you won't if, number one, you have learned Christ. We have to learn how to be a follower of Jesus. If, he says, you have listened to him, we have to listen and let Jesus Christ teach us, and it says the truth in Jesus. And so, when we become a Christian, we are to walk like a Christian, and it involves first, that commitment of our life to Jesus, then secondly, listening to him, learning from him, embracing the truth, and we become more like Christ. There's that saying, and I don't know if I can get it right or not, I thank God that I'm not what I used to be, but I thank God that I'm not what I will be. Did y'all get that? It's a happening. It's a happening. And so how about this side of the story? I had an old fellow in a church, and he had a problem with his language. And he prayed for God to move him beyond that. And he knew he'd arrived one day on a job when he stuck his hand down in a concrete block and wasp latched on. Now that would try the best of us. And he said he went all over that job site trying to shake those wasps off, which you can't do, and hollering, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That is sanctification. When we begin to see that we're becoming more like Jesus and then glorification is when we get to heaven and we are truly, truly as Christ created us. So the apostle is telling him in these opening verses and that is when we become a Christian, we are to walk like a Christian. It begins with accepting Jesus Christ 
it then begins a lifelong process of listening to him, learning from him, living from him, and we will not be fully there until we get into glory one day. But there's a second point. And so I revise it as I did the first one. When we become a Christian, we are to walk with the Holy Spirit. When we become a Christian, we do not walk in darkness. We do not walk in the futility of our minds. We do not walk in ignorance and blindness. We are guided by the Holy Spirit of God. So I need to read these verses, picking up with verse 25. Therefore, now because we've learned from Christ, we've listened to Christ, we have embraced the truth, we have accepted Jesus. As a result of that then, this is that ongoing sanctification, becoming more like Christ process, therefore putting away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. When we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit causes us to speak truth. I've got a friend that gave a pretty good definition of evangelism. He said, every time I see somebody get saved, I know that's another person that I don't have to worry about lying to me, stealing from me, or hurting me. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Be angry, but do not sin. We could do, go into all kinds of detail. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Make things right with people. Number, verse 27, do not give place to the devil. Do not give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, why that he may have something to give someone who has a need. Let no corrupt word, all these things you've been hearing me mention, it's right here. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for necessary edification. Let our words build people up, not tear them down. That's what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit that it may impart grace to the hearers. And verse 30 is so critical. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. God the Father came to us and God the Son and died on the cross for our sins. And then God the Father and God the Son sent God the Holy Spirit into our hearts and has given the stamp of the ownership of Almighty God that secures us all the way till we get to heaven. We're not perfect, we're forgiven. In Baptist language, I don't know what others call it, when we sin after being saved, which we all do, we call it backsliding. We are still saved, but we are grieving the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God within us is sad when we follow that kind of path. I thought so precious of my wife in thinking about this. And that is precious, 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 not glorifying her at this point. 
she's already glorified. Amen. She's already, hey, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. She's the youngest of three girls. A lot of years between each one of them. Eight years between her and her middle sister and 16 years between her and her older sister. Her older sister was the age of my mother, which is not saying much since mother was 16 when I was born, but she was still the age of my mother. So Charlotte grew up basically as an only child. Her parents, they just doted and loved and spoiled every one of them, but especially her. And she was a good child, and she would tell me. It broke my heart to break my daddy's heart. She said, I just could not stand to see the sadness in my dad's eyes. Oh, that we would have a vision that if we are grieving the Holy Spirit, we are breaking the heart of God. We're breaking his heart and it's kind of like Jesus before they have taken him to the cross looking at, the, at Peter who is denying him and, there was, and Jesus knew it was coming but it still broke his heart. Still broke his heart and the apostle is saying when we become a Christian we're to walk with the Holy Spirit and if we are not walking like a Christian if like we've listened to Jesus, learned from Jesus and are growing in Jesus we are breaking his heart. Now I think this works. It came to me right in the middle of working all over this sermon and when, when something like this comes, I just pray to be able to communicate it. In my mind and heart, I went down memory lane and I went back to visiting my mother's parents. As you know, in the foothills of the Appalachians, Rabin County, right up in the corner of North Carolina and South Carolina. And thank God, literally, my mind did not take me back to the woodshed. <laughs> Amen. Now, some of this illustration, the younger group, they just were like, man, I'm lost. What's he talking about? But I, I could just see their layout there, very poor, scraping a living out of the red clay hills of North Georgia. And that was their little house. Thank goodness they had electricity by the time I came along, but they had no running water or no indoor plumbing. But they did not have any heat. They had a wood stove in the kitchen and a Ben Franklin stove in the front room, and that was it. But thank God, they had 14 children, so there was no shortage of people to sleep with, amen? And there was no shortage of quilts in that house, let me tell you. Out around it, they had a wood shed where the wood was kept for the fires. They had a crib where the corn was laid up for the winter. They had a little lean-to for the wagon. They had a barn with stalls. They had a loft where the hay was all piled up. But the woodshed came to my mind. That's where they kept firewood. That's where they would put junk stuff till they knew what to do with it. But that's also where discipline took place in that day. We're going to the woodshed. And I think about this experience then. I grew up a lot different than the way my mother grew up. Dad worked for Georgia Power. Georgia Power had a, had a company store. We had everything that we wanted. So one day, my parents decided they were gonna upgrade their electric stove. 
So they got a nicer electric stove and here's this other one here trying to figure out what to do and they came up with this great idea. I know what let's do. Let's take it to Granny. So we loaded up that electric stove and took it all the way from Rome, Georgia over to Clayton. And it was the greatest event to happen in that family in a long time. Everybody gathered around. They all lived right there up and down Wolf Creek Road. Took the, <laughs> took the wood stove out of the kitchen and carried it to the woodshed. Fixed up the electric stove for Granny. Next time I went back, the electric stove was in the woodshed and the wood stove was back in the kitchen. <laughs> Amen. Now here's why I get chill bumps. Here's what God laid on my heart. And that is, friend, when we get saved and don't take this too violently, friend, God takes us to the woodshed. And our hearts are broken and we know we're sinners and we know we need help. And when we get in the woodshed, Thank God we are shocked because we meet a loving heavenly Father who has already taken the punishment. Amen? Woo! And we leave our sins there and we walk out of there the new person. Now what's the moral? Don't go back to the woodshed and pick those sins up again. Amen? I'm glad Granny went and got the old wood stove back because she sure couldn't cook on that electric one, I'm telling you. But friend, when we go to the woodshed, when we get right with God, leave it there and walk with the Holy Spirit. So when we become a Christian, when we become a Christian, let us not pick up all that mess again and break the heart of God. And then the last, verses 31 and 32. And so he closes this section by saying, let all bitterness. Oh, I've heard people through the years say, I'm just so tired of being bitter. Wrath and anger, I'm so tired of being angry. Clamor and evil speaking to be put away from you with all malice. And here's how we are to come out of the woodshed, friends. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Some of the sweetest words in the Bible. Some of the sweetest words in the Bible. We walk like a Christian when we become a Christian. We walk like a Christian when we listen to Jesus. We learn from Jesus. We learn the truth of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is our guide. He's our comforter. He is our teacher. And He makes us kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. That's our goal here. Not here to beat up anybody. Not here to put anybody on a guilt trip. Here to offer everybody a new heart, a new life, a new attitude, a loving spirit, a forgiving spirit, a kind and tender heart. And there is nothing like it, friends. Amen.
Amen. We sing a hymn of invitation. Oh, my goodness. The way